Well, good morning, everybody watching today. It's so awesome to be with you. Thank you so much for clicking on and being part of this service. I'm so excited because we're getting into the Word today. If you're new, uh, it's such an awesome privilege to be talking to you today. If we haven't met yet, my name is Jean-Michel. I'm one of the pastors here at Victory And I'm excited to jump into the Word today because we've been talking over the last few weeks about the kingdom of God, how it is so opposite, so other, so different to what we expect it to be. It's amazing and it's beautiful and it's different and it requires us to think a little bit differently in order to understand it. And in week one, we spoke about how the kingdom is upside down, how it's all about serving others, how the king God, the creator God actually comes to be the servant king who comes into the kingdoms of this world that live for themselves and turns it all upside down and says, no, we are here to serve the world. Week two, we spoke about how the kingdom is inside out, where we want to see change on the outside, maybe in our circumstances, maybe in something in our personal lives, maybe something in the world. We want to see change out there, but change actually starts inside. And when the inside changes, when the heart changes, the circumstances begin to change. The kingdom of God is upside down and it's inside out. And to continue the tradition, before I give you the sermon title, I have a question for you at home. Post in the chat what your answer to the question is. Are we ready? Are you guys ready? Are we ready? All right, here we go. Here's the question. What does it take to become a citizen of the kingdom of heaven? What does it take? You know, as you're thinking about that, I want to tell you that the kingdom of God is not something far away. It's not something that we have to access somewhere in the future. It's not inaccessible to us. The kingdom of God is now. Come on, that's my sermon title today. The kingdom of God is now. Let's pray. Father God, we come into your presence today. As we open up this word today, as we close out this series today, I pray that you will reveal something beautiful to us. I pray that you will open our hearts, open our spirits, open our minds to what you want to say today, Father. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you will speak through this word and that only your will will be done. Only your word would be heard. We pray in Jesus' name. And everybody says, Amen. Amen. All right. So why did I ask you that question? The reason for my question is that there is always a process to becoming a citizen of a country, right? Whether it's this country here in South Africa, whether it's another country somewhere else, there's always a process that you must go through. Maybe there's a certain amount of money you need to give. Maybe there's a certain amount of years that you need to live in that country. Or maybe there's a special skill that earns you the right to become a citizen of that country, You know, the reality is that this is true for the kingdom of God as well. There is a process to becoming a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. So let's come back again. And we're going to talk today about how to become a member, a citizen of God's kingdom, of the now kingdom of God. In the scripture we're about to read, Jesus is trying to explain to the people just how to do it, just how to become a citizen of the kingdom of God. He's trying to help us understand not just 
where the kingdom is, when the kingdom is, or how the kingdom operates, but also who we are in his kingdom. Come on, I need you just to grasp that for a second. Jesus doesn't just want you to know where the kingdom is, or when the kingdom is, or how the kingdom is. He wants to know who you are in the kingdom of God. See, the kingdom of God is not something we have to wait for. It's not a place that we're going to go to one day when we die. The kingdom of God is here and now. It's inside of you. It's inside of me. And it's everywhere that we go. And God wants you to enter into it now. He wants the abundance in you now. He wants his kingdom to operate in you now. Because when you operate in the kingdom, healing is yours. Abundance is yours. Freedom is yours. Answers are yours in the kingdom of God. Authority is yours. Dominion, it's yours in the kingdom of God. He doesn't want you to wait for it someday if you hold on tight enough to, to, and cling on to your faith long enough and maybe one day you'll get there. He wants this for you now. He wants it for you now. The kingdom of God is right here and right now. It's not one day when you've studied enough. It's not one day when you prayed enough or fasted enough. The kingdom is here for you. And I have that question. Do you want to be part of that kingdom? Do you want to be part of the kingdom of God? I know that I do. And so we're going to read what Jesus had to say in the book of Luke chapter 15. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn there to Luke chapter 15. Again, Jesus is talking to a specific group of people. Now, over the last few weeks, we've actually been talking through a few parables that Jesus has been saying to people. We also looked at the the space where Jesus actually um, washed the disciples' feet. That was in week one. Last week, we spoke about a parable of a, a great feast, a wedding feast that the king was having. And this week, we're going to talk about a parable again. And what Jesus has to say right now in this moment is so important that the writer of Luke dedicated an entire chapter. He dedicated an entire chapter just to this idea. Nothing else. Just this one idea. And so in Luke 15, we're going to read from verse 1 to 2 just for a second. It says this. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathered around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. They muttered under their breath. And Jesus knew what they were muttering. He perceived what they were saying. They knew, he knew what, what people were saying about him. Out there in the streets, people would say, you know, he, he sets himself up as a rabbi, but he hangs out, he eats with sinners. He's, he's a friend of sinners. So what kind of rabbi can he be? I don't know if you've ever been in that place where, where, where people say, what kind of Christian can you be? Or people have tried to devalue who you are in the kingdom of God. That's what the Pharisees were trying to do to Jesus. They were trying to say, how can he be this man of God if he hangs out with sinners? And Jesus was trying to help these stubborn Pharisees to understand what the kingdom of God was like. He was trying to show them what God's kingdom was like. 
And sometimes these Pharisees get a bad rap. Some of them were really, really not good people. Some of them were corrupt. They really were. They were like corrupt officials who were gaining power and lording it over people. But some of those Pharisees were just teachers of the law. They were following their religious ideas. They were going through what they thought was the right way to go. They were just trying to be good Pharisees, good followers of God. They were just trying to do their very best. And so Jesus has a heart for them. Sometimes we, we, we like to vilify the, the, the Pharisees and sometimes it's well earned. But Jesus had a heart for them too. Jesus was hoping that every one of them would listen to what he had to say. And the same thing is true for us now. Jesus knew what they were muttering and he wanted to teach them something. And so in this chapter, this is what happens next. Jesus tries to teach them. He has all these people that he's talking to. They're known as sinners, tax collectors and sinners. They're all the outcasts of society. And then he has these Pharisees with him that he's busy talking to. And so he starts off in a parable. We're not going to read the whole chapter. I'm going to summarize a little bit of it and then we're going to read it at the end. The first parable that he says is about a shepherd who has about a hundred sheep. One of those sheep goes missing. And Jesus says, any one of you who had a hundred sheep where one of them went missing, would you not leave the 99 in a safe place and go and look for the one sheep who was lost? And when you find him, when you find the sheep, bring it back and you will rejoice with your friends when the sheep is returned. In the same way, there is rejoicing in heaven over even one sinner who repents. Jesus says this to the crowd. And I can almost see in this, this exchange that Jesus says this, and everyone kind of looks at each other and says, okay, I mean, cool, we'll get the sheep, that's fine. So Jesus goes a second time. He tries a second time to explain this. He says, any one of you who might be missing a valuable coin, something that's valuable to you. Won't you go and turn the house upside down and, and look for it everywhere? And then when finally you find that coin, won't you rejoice and invite all your friends over and rejoice with them to say, I, have, I lost this coin, but I found it again. So there will be much rejoicing in heaven if one sinner repents. And again, I can almost see Jesus saying, what? What do I need to say to these people? They're not getting it. It's not dropping. The Pharisees are not understanding what he's saying. The people are not getting it. So now a third time, Jesus tries to help these people understand what it means to be part of the kingdom of heaven. And before we jump into reading the rest of this, you need to understand something about saying something three times in a Hebrew context. It's very important. You might have, have, have sung in church with us a song that says, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Or maybe you know the scripture where um, Isaiah sees the Lord high and lifted up and the train of his robe fills the temples and there are, there are seraphim, angels, burning, fiery angels that are crying one to another, holy, holy, holy. When you see that in Hebrew context, it's not that the angels are saying the word holy, holy, holy. Holy. They're not saying it three times. You might have also picked up in the word, sometimes they say, uh, someone will say, Lord, Lord, right? They say it twice. It's not that the person is saying it twice. It's an emphasis. So like in English, we would use an exclamation mark or we would use five exclamation marks to try and get our point across. This is what's happening in the biblical text. So when someone says, Lord, Lord, it's more like they're saying, Lord, 
right? When you see it three times, like holy, 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 this is the highest form of emphasis that someone can put in a Hebrew context. What they're saying is they are crying, holy, as loud as they can. There's no greater emphasis than writing something three times. What's going on in this scripture is that Jesus is putting such a high value on what he's trying to get across that he says it three times. Three times he tries to help these people understand. Three times he's saying to you and me, as much emphasis as he possibly can put, he is putting on what he is trying to say. So a third time he tries to speak and explain this. And this time it's about a lost son. A scripture you will know well. And so let's read together. In Luke chapter 15, verse 11 to 32. I'm going to read quite a lot. Let's read together. Jesus continued. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them, between his two sons. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, settled for a distant country, and there he squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, Let's note that, a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. All right, let's take a pause there for a second. Here, Jesus is once again contrasting the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of earth, the kingdoms of this world. You see, the youngest son saw the abundance of the kingdom. He took that inheritance and he went into the kingdom of this world where he squandered it all. He lost his entire inheritance. And what happens is he goes to a citizen of that country, or you could say it, a citizen of the kingdom of this world, and he tries to subject himself to that in order to try and work that system. Come on, how many of us have felt this way? You've tried to work the system of this world. You've tried to go and work the job or, or study the thing or do the thing the right way that people try and tell you how to do it. But you know what? This world is not built to empower you. It's built to undermine you. And so that's exactly what happens to the son. He goes and subjects himself to a citizen of the kingdom of this world, and he he looks for help. And what happens? No one gave him anything because that's how this kingdom works. We carry on reading in verse 17. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven And against you, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. 
He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Let's take a pause there. This is so wild. And it's so hard for us to comprehend in our culture. Because for us to see a father and a son hugging is relatively normal. But for a father whose son had effectively said, you're dead to me. When the son says, give me my inheritance. He's effectively saying to the father, you are dead to me. I'm cutting myself off from this family. I'm no longer part of this. For a father to run, number one, just to run out is so dishonoring. He, he should never do that. He runs out to his son. He runs out to the one who is so far away, the one that cut himself off, and he kisses him, and he loves him. And note this, the son doesn't get, he practices his whole speech. He's there practicing his speech. I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against you. Make me a servant. He doesn't even get through his whole speech. He gets halfway through. And the father, not even paying attention, not even noticing what the son is saying, then just immediately says to his servants, let's have a party. My son is home. This is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is trying so hard to get these people to understand. And so we carry on reading in verse 25. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. This is his older brother. When he came near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I have been slaving for you, never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could have fun with my friends. But when the son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is now found. It's so deep. You can see that the first two times Jesus tries to get this, this point across to the people that it's not sinking, it's not making sense. So he decides to go as deep as he can. And what Jesus is doing in this moment, he is actually trying to get at their hearts about who they are. See, the kingdom of God is right now. It's inside of you. It's here. But the kingdom of God doesn't need servants. 
The kingdom of God needs sons. The kingdom of God needs daughters. The kingdom of God needs children. That's what God is trying to do. God doesn't just want you to come into his kingdom as a servant, as a slave, as someone who will do work for the king. He wants you to come in and have your very identity changed and transformed so that you can become a child of the Most High. You see, a child of the Most High has access to everything the king has. A child of the Most High has all access to the king's authority, to all the king's finance, abundance. If someone tries to touch the son of a king, it's like they're touching the king. If someone tries to offend the son of a king, it's like they're offending the king himself. There is a oneness, there is a unity, there is a closeness between a king and his heir. And when we are called to come in freely to the kingdom of God, to the kingdom of heaven, we don't come in as slaves. We don't come in as servants. We come in as children. And so when that son took his inheritance and ran off with it, he effectively stopped himself from ever becoming a son again. There's no way that he could ever become a child of his father again. He had cut himself off. But the father ignores all the rules the father ignores all the regulations, all the things that, that he would never be allowed to do if he followed the traditions of his people. And he chooses to re-empower that lost son back home. And notice the words, my son, your brother was dead and now he is alive. He was lost, now he is found. How many of you have ever felt this way before, like you have forfeited your right to become a child of the Most High? Like through something you have done or something you've said or through what other people have said about you, what other people have done to you, what you have done to others has actually effectively caused you to cut yourself off from the kingdom of God. How many of you have said these words, you know what, God, I'll never do it again. And then you do it again, time and time again. And how many of us feel that way? We feel like we have cut ourselves or forfeited our right to become children of God. Maybe we could be servants. Maybe we could sneak back into the kingdom of God just as a servant, just as someone who can do something for God. Maybe if I give my whole life and give all my money, maybe if I, if I do what, what is necessary, then, then maybe I can become a servant of God. But God wants you to become a child of the Most High again. All the while, God's been looking to the horizon. He's been waiting, looking for you to walk over that hill so that He can come out. He can empower you again. He's waiting for His children to return. How do you become a citizen of the kingdom of heaven? You become a citizen when you let the grace of God pour all over you. You repent of who you think you are and you let God tell you who you are again. You see, the son comes and says, no, I am a slave. I am a servant. I am not worthy. But the father says to him, no, you are my son. You always were my son, and you always will be my son. You are a child of God. You who I'm talking to right now, you always have been, and you always will be. There's nothing you can do that can separate you from his love. There's nothing that you can do that can earn his love again. You are always his child all he's looking for you is to come home to come back and to be 
who he says you are. You see, the grace of God is not just there to cover or take away your sins. It's there to change your very identity from the kingdom of this world to a child of the kingdom of God, to a, from a child of darkness and a son and a slave to sin to he who is a child of God, who has dominion and authority and power over all things through Jesus Christ. This is where we see the older brother come in. He misses the whole point of the relationship with the father. The older brother was there the whole time. And what was he doing? He was slaving in the field. He even says the word, I've slaved for you. Because the older brother thinks that what he needs to do is work for his keep. He doesn't know who he is. He hasn't realized who he is. He's a child of the king. And everything that the king has is his. And so he tries to reject the this, this son because he thinks that somehow what he's done has earned him the space to be a son of the Most High. But nothing he's done has earned it. Because the king says to him, all that I have is, has always been yours. It will always be yours. And in the same way, now that my son is back, now that your younger brother is back, all that I have is his. See, in this moment, Jesus was really talking to the Pharisees. He was trying to help them understand that they, they thought that what they did for God, that when they prayed those religious prayers, when they fasted in front of everyone, when they led people in the ways of the law, they thought that that was what earned them their place in the house of God, in the kingdom of God. Jesus was trying to tell them that they didn't have to do that. That they were always children of the Most High if they would just allow God to tell them what their identity was. You see, those corrupt Pharisees had let this world tell them who they were, tell them how to get wealth, tell them how to overcome, tell them how to be powerful people. But God wanted them to lay down who they thought they were so they could become children of God. And today he's saying the same thing to you. Will you lay down who you are so that you can become who God calls you to be? The kingdom of God is now. It's in you. It's come to change you from the inside out. The doorway into that kingdom is grace. It's unmerited. It's unearned. It's not something that you bought, and it's not because of anything that you've done. It is the gift of God to his children. And all of this is built on the foundation that the kingdom is upside down and the kingdom is inside out. Grace doesn't empower you to become self-centered so that you can run around doing whatever you want and grace covers everything. That's not what grace is for. It, but grace, but to give the grace that you've received you give it out to others. Grace doesn't leave you the way you were, but it changes you from the inside out. When you let grace empower you, it comes in and it shifts you and it gives you power over who you used to be. And it changes the way you think about the problems that you face and the circumstances that you see. When grace comes inside of you, when the challenge comes to face you, you look at that challenge and you say, my God is bigger than that and his grace is abundant and all that he has is mine. And so so abundance is mine. Poverty is not my portion. Abundance is my portion. Healing is my portion, not sickness. Brokenness is not my portion, but fullness and joy and life is mine because all that he has 
is mine as a child of God. God is coming to you today to remind you that you are not a servant in his kingdom. You are an heir, a co-heir with Christ. The kingdom is now. It's not later. It's not waiting for you to fix yourself so that you can come back later and enter into the kingdom. The authority and the dominion, the power, the power to, to, have, to tread on serpents and scorpions, the power to overcome the things of this world, it's in you now because you are a child of God. A child of God who will live their life for others. A child of God who will care about others first. A child of God who will see something wrong inside or outside and let God come in and shift things inside. Who will lay down their identity to say, I used to be this, but now I am a child of God. That is the doorway into the kingdom. That's how you become a child of God. Grace is what makes you a child of God. It's grace that empowers you. It's grace that changes you. It's grace. It's what God does. It's the gift from heaven. It's his love. It's his overwhelming love that empowers you. And so if you look over the last few weeks, what are we really saying? What, are, what, what do you need to know? What you need to know is that the kingdom of this world is not like this. It's not gracious. It's not helpful. It looks at what you've done and it gives you exactly what you deserve. In fact, it, it piles on even worse than you deserve. It will try and destroy you and break you down. Every time that the kingdom of God tries to tell you you are a child of God, this world echoes you are a slave. You are broken. You are not who God wants you to be. You are wrong. And in the same breath, the kingdom of heaven is crying out, no, you are a child of God. Simply come back to the Father and he will restore you and he will heal you and he will change you. And so I'm talking to you today. Who are you letting define your identity? The Pharisees let the kingdom of this world define their identity and because of it, they never made it in. He never made it into the kingdom of God. In fact, they crucified, they murdered the king of that kingdom. They did that because they were so wrapped up in this world that they couldn't see the upside-down kingdom of God. Today, who is defining your identity? Who defines your identity? Today, God wants to define who you are. He wants to teach you again that you are a child, not a slave, not a servant, but an heir of the Most High. He wants you to come into that kingdom. He wants to use you to bring others into that kingdom too. And so if that's you today, I want to pray a prayer with you. For everyone who's been in church for years and is still trying to earn God's love, earn God's affection. For everyone who's, who's trying to be good enough for God. For everyone who sees the circumstances in your life, who has been struggling for so long and you've received the idea that you're not good enough, you've received the idea that you're just not as empowered as others. I'm talking to you today. And for those of us who know that inside we have not yet received that no matter what we do, 
we remain children of the Most High. If you can't receive that today, but you want to receive it, I'm talking to you. You are a child of God. No matter what anyone says, no matter how many times the older brother pulled down the younger brother, the father remained saying, he is my son. No matter what happened in the son's life, no matter what this world told him, the father knew who he was. The father knows who you are. And he wants to pour it over you today. So let's pray today. Open your heart. Let's pray together. And let's let God shift your identity today. Let's pray. Father God, I pray that every person who's listening to this message, part of what's going on, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you will go into their hearts and touch them right now. I pray, Father God, that you will help them understand who you have made them to be. That they are not slaves, they're not servants. They don't need to earn their way into your kingdom, but they need to let you welcome them in. I pray today for our identity, Father God, that our identity would not get wrapped up in the things of this world, but would be wrapped up in who you say we are. We are children of the Most High. And I pray that revelation comes out today, that revelation comes, that our freedom, our dominion, our authority, our power comes when we allow ourselves to know that our identity is in Christ. I pray for that today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm also asking today if there's anyone watching today and you've never given your heart to God, I'd love to pray a simple prayer with you that will start this journey. If you know that you you need to make Jesus the Lord of your life, you've never done that before, and it's today's the day, I want to pray this prayer with you. Will you pray with me? Simple prayer, prayed in faith, believing in Jesus. It just means you're trusting in Jesus with all that you are. If that's you, will you pray this prayer after me? Say, Lord Jesus, I come to you today just as I am. All my faults, all my failures, and all my victories I place in your hand. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Forgive me of all my sins. I give my life to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, if you prayed that prayer, that is the best decision you could ever make. We've all made this choice, and it's the best decision. You are now part of the kingdom of God. Begin to live it out. We'd love to connect with you, so make sure that you click the button that's in the chat right now. Connect with us. We want to walk the journey out with you, help you, answer your questions, be with you, and help you understand what it means to be a child of God. Church, we're going to go into a last song now, but I'm asking you, I'm praying that you will allow God to shift your view on who you are, to change your mind about who you see yourself to be. You are a child of the Most High. No matter what anyone says, no matter what anyone does, and no matter what you do, you remain His child. So live your life in an upside-down kingdom. Live your life for others. Live your life touching other people. Live your life in a way that brings glory and honor to God. Live it inside out, letting God come in not trying to change and shift your outside circumstances, but actually letting God come in and shift you. And do it as a child of the Most High.
not as a servant, not as a slave, but as God's heir. Church, we're going to go into a last song. Will you stand with me now and let's sing together? Amen.